again. Hi. <laughs> We're back. Welcome to What's the Point? Um, I'm Amanda. I'm Teva. Yay, and we're back for another episode with an amazing guest. We're very excited. Yeah. Um, and first, as always, we're going to start with a wind down, uh, and we're just going to talk about whatever shit we want to talk about. So, <laughs> Teva. Uh, right. What's in Sure, I'll go first. Um, so, I was going to talk about this last week, and then I sort of waited, but um, I am back in my acting class. Have I talked about this yet? Yay, I don't think okay. so. Um, last but- week, you talked about boots. I did that. You found I know, in the I know. trash. Like, that was like <laughs> important news. It was. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, can I have two check-ins today? It's super fast. I promise. Okay. My go. other. Speaking of boots. Um. I. So Halloween just happened. I know that we've talked a couple times about this. We're recording way in advance, but yeah. uh, Halloween just happened, and it just made me remember how much I love dressing up for things and yeah. like getting in like character, like costumes. You do you know? love dressing up. Oh, I do. A theme party is my jam. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. About it. So that being said, I just want us to find more occasions where we need to dress up for things. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so back to acting. Great. Um, so I had, uh, so I'm back in my acting class. I've now had three, I think, since I've been back. Lovely. I know. Um, it was a little tricky because I had to travel for work. And so I missed the first two, which was really oh, sad. I know it's stressful. Yeah. Especially um, when you pay so much money. Ugh, I know because you pay so much money and I'm like, I don't want to miss a second of this like yeah. I worked so yeah. hard to pay for this um and you know it's always weird because especially like the first class everybody kind of gets together and like bonds and gets to know each other and so kind of walking in not only the week after but the week after that I don't know anyone um yeah so it's, it was felt very stressful um but I was really fortunate to have a really good scene partner and we got together ahead of time so I like was able to walk in like knowing someone which was <laughs> helpful um but I you know I just will say I like I it's been a few I guess a few months yeah since I've been in a class and it was uh it was just so refreshing and I feel like every time I leave I'm just so jazzed <laughs> I'm like I, I want to do everything <laughs> and, and work on everything and be in every project um and so I yeah I'm just so excited and I I love that feeling um and that's yeah. so nice I know <laughs> I feel so happy. It makes me so happy. It makes me so Aww, happy. Um, so and I like look so much forward to it every week. And um, I think too, you know, the things I love about acting is like, um, you know, I think that we've been really lucky to have great groups of people and having good like classes and uh, the people in them. It's, it's this really amazing just kind of bond that you have with the yeah. people that you like rehearse with every week, you know? Yeah. Um, and I love, I love that. I love the camaraderie. I love the scene. I think, you know, and I think we talked about this before, um, you know, how like, like when you, right before you go, you always get like a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just that like adrenaline rush that you get every week that I'm just so Aww. addicted to. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's true. so stressful, especially when someone's like, um, you know, giving you feedback and, and whatever every time. Yeah. Just like, ah. But it's wonderful that's and I love great. it and I'm so happy and I can't wait to go back next week. Wow, we're on such a heartwarming streak. I love it. That's beautiful. Can we keep this going? Okay, mine is not as (laughs) heartwarming. Uh, It's fine. It's fine. Um, So I I started my improv 101 class. (laughs) Yay. Um, And to preface, if you haven't listened before, I do stand-up, and I'm taking improv mostly as a way to, like, um, just feel more open on stage and, like, okay with like things not going the way I think they're gonna go and feeling more just comfortable being up there um and 
what I've learned, I haven't even done stand up for that long, but what I've learned is that I'm already like a selfish improviser and I have like a lot of work to do. <laughs> How do you um, mean selfish? Well, for starters, um, like, like the first class, the first like exercise was just like, I want everyone to like, just get up on stage and just like talk about like something they love or something they hate, just like get comfortable talking and being mm -hmm. in front of people. And Hello. I was like, great, I'll just do like one of my rants <laughs> for stand up. And then afterward, he was like, and I didn't like do it like as written, but um, but afterward, he was like, that was great. No one like tried to make it a stand up set or something like that. And I was like, um, <laughs> I sort of did. Um, but yeah, uh, something I will say that is serving me well is, like I said uh, before, I don't really mind going first or volunteering for things. And that has like served me well. But then I also feel like a little bit of like the straight A student who's just like, I'll do it. I'll do it. That's um, actually which really I hard already am. <laughs> yeah, no, because like you don't want to be that person that's like in every friggin' scene, but like also when no one else volunteers, you're like, oh, fine. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I want the other person to just yeah. be well, standing and, there. And they do like, the class is structured so that everyone gets like the same chances or whatever um to do things but then if it's like uh like we did an exercise where someone had to like stand in the center and you'd be like what are they an expert on and like like people told me like hippies so i had to be an expert on hippies and then people ask questions yeah uh, like and i was asking probably at least one question each time because like nobody else was asking questions and I was like this is easy just ask a question yeah um also I did not answer my questions well at all <laughs> um interesting so yeah I don't know but the whole reason I took this class was because I knew I wouldn't be good at it and so I'm excited to like learn more and, and get better keep going yeah you can be good at it yeah I also think too I will say like you're very good at writing and stuff um and I think that improv is such a good way to kind of just like come up with ideas that you're like oh I never would have like thought of this as like a yeah it literally just flows out of a scene or something and you're like exactly oh, shit, yeah that'd be a great sketch and you can just like pull from like literally a line in one scene and just be like I'm right. gonna write this a whole sketch on it like oh my god I'm so excited yeah, to do that it's my that was like there's so many things that I was like oh I'd love to write a sketch on this but I I don't I don't know how to like write sketches <laughs> let's you know, collab later. oh my god yes um cool yeah. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, I'm excited to keep learning and keep going. But it, it was definitely like a it's an adjustment from the uh, stand up. It's so different. Uh, it's 100 percent different. Yeah. It's a world. Yeah. Like literally in improv, like you're the sole thing you have to do is not try to be funny. Like the second you try to be funny, it, it fucks everything up. Right. But in stand up, everything's intentional like yeah. you know like every few lines have to be a joke and it's like yeah it's the opposite of what works at improv exactly opposite, yeah so it's very interesting yeah we did in in our like second class it was just like okay just like make a scene that's like normal that was the whole thing like nothing weird happens you just have a conversation <laughs> blah 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 and then uh, and did it still end up being funny no because we didn't like fit we oh, didn't do a whole got it, scene got it. it was just like establishing the scene and like mm -hmm. um just making it normal because in the first class especially like in 101 people are just like i'm gonna make this outlandish immediately and that's yeah. not how you're supposed yeah, to yeah. do it um so act after that class i actually felt like better about my ability to do that but the other thing i'll say is that i'm also just bad at laughing at people when they say funny things like you don't do it no i i laugh 
like when I'm in the scene. Oh, right. And then I can't respond because I'm laughing. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hard. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not good at that. But with stand up, I wrote it so I know it, and I'm not gonna laugh because um, <laughs> heard it a million times. <laughs> I already know what's gonna happen. And then with improv, that is not gonna be the case ever. Yeah. So <laughs> another thing to work on for True. me. True. But yeah. Anyway, uh, right. I think that's it for our wind down. It's a good start. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so uh, we are gonna are we gonna take a break? Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna take a quick, quick break, and then we'll be back with our guest. Uh, You're going to be really excited because she has an amazing voice. Um, (laughs) uh, She is an actor and a writer, Andrea Lamb. Yay! Do you need a lamp for no reason because there's overhead lighting in every room of your house, but you need to look modern, bohemian, and chic at the same time? Introducing the Mobo Chic Lamp the lamp created for basic bitches still trying to pretend they have a personality. The Mobo Chic lamp comes in many sizes and usually correlates with the size of your ego. The more narcissistic you are, the larger the lamp. How did designers create the Mobo Chic lamp? They thought, what's something that sounds as cool as a New York neighborhood but isn't? Like Soho or Tribeca. What does Tribeca even stand for? It's unclear. Also unclear what the style of modern, chic, and bohemian means. We mostly just put together a bunch of buzzwords that would get white girls' attention. But we imagine that it's basically what a corporate lawyer pretending to be a hippie would look like. Still not sure what that looks like? Go into any yoga studio run by white people, and you'll get the gist. Critics say it's ugly, and it hardly counts as a functional lamp. But basic white bitches say... The guy I hooked up with on Bumble last weekend said it was interesting and it fit my personality, which means I have a personality. The lamp worked. Want to know if the Mobo Chic lamp is for you? Head to our website to take our free online quiz. We'll assess both your narcissism level and how much of a personality you actually have. Don't worry, though. If the test says you actually have a personality, we'll throw in some Uggs, leggings, and a Starbucks gift card, redeemable for a pumpkin spice latte when you order the Mobo Chic lamp. Head to our website, MoboChic.com, today. Don't worry. Yes, we will spell it out for you. Do you have a pen and paper? Okay, ready? M-O-B-O-C-H-I-C dot com. I know, Chic does have a weird spelling, doesn't it? Okay, and we're back. (laughs) Thanks so much for sticking around. (laughs) Um, So again, we have uh, a lovely, fabulous lady, Andrea Lamb. She's here with us. Uh, I met her through an acting class. Um, She's awesome. She does acting improv and like everything else i want to say when i think you're also doing like a shakespeare or something yes on and off yeah cool so yay welcome andrea we're so <laughs> glad to have you thank you so much for having me ah of course um thank you for being here uh yeah so did you have anything you wanted to add from or any thoughts on our our wind down oh sure yeah i mean specifically what amanda was saying about doing improv specifically because you're not good at improv. <laughs> yeah. um, that's really why I have been taking it. Um, I recently completed level three at the Magnet Theatre. Oh, awesome. Which um, all three levels have been really enjoyable, really great, that's great. instructors, yeah. uh, good teaching environment, not competitive, uh, which I quite like because I'm not doing it to be a comedian. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Just Shock. doing improv to learn to let go a little bit, um, which I'm hoping yeah. will prepare me for auditions. You know, you give it your best shot. Yeah. If it fails, then you move on to the next one. Yeah, you get more comfortable with like criticism or mm-hmm. things not going right. And you're just like, well, that was fucked. 
<laughs> next one. Like, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Like, next time. Do you feel like it's helped you in acting at all? I think it has, yeah. Um, just sort of offhanded, incidental acting lessons uh, from the notes portions after we, you know, go around of long form or whatever. Uh, especially this last uh, class, level three, with Lewis Kornfeld, ah. who is fantastic. Um, my previous instructors have been really good as well, but with Lewis, uh, I learnt a lot about performance and about acting just accidentally, in a way. That's it was really awesome. handy. Yeah. Sort of a two-in-one deal. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope it serves me in the, in the same way. Um, yeah. yeah. So where do we dive in? We're talking about improv. Um, so what, what kind of performance did you, like, start with or what drew you to, like, entertainment at all? In terms of taking classes this past year or sort of long-term goals? I think it like so what I mean just like in your mind when you were like I want to do this thing what was like the thing you wanted to do oh yeah um I mean I wanted to be an actor since I was a child really oh wow um but I grew up in a relatively socially conservative Chinese household immigrant family yeah and um, a lot of factors that meant that I couldn't follow the path of your typical mostly white uh child actor yeah um, no connections yeah. in the industry coming from an immigrant family and so while I almost always knew that I wanted to be an actor. I basically just shoved it down and sat on it mm, for years yeah. and years and years. And it was only until this past calendar year, 2018, that I finally, uh, for various reasons, I guess we'll get into those later, <laughs> uh, finally pulled the trigger and started taking classes part-time and started to think about it seriously as a potential actual professional career. Yeah. Cool. That's so exciting. <laughs> I know. I love it. And I'm just curious because we're on it. Um, what? So was it like a New Year's resolution? Were you just like, I'm going to do this? I'm done. <laughs> like... I suppose so. Um, I wasn't a Star Wars fan growing up. Um, I mean, I've always enjoyed science fiction and fantasy, mm. um, but mostly in terms of books and short stories and things like that, a little bit of film and TV. Um, but specifically Star Wars, I was very familiar with these storylines and the characters growing up just because of American cultural osmosis. Yeah, absolutely. And talking with my friends who are mad for it. So I need to... <laughs> I was going to say, that must be the difference, because I have no idea what's, what happened. <laughs> and sort of needing to keep up with conversation and sort of fit in. Right. Oh, sure, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I always knew that Princess Leia was this character to admire, but never really got invested in it. I have no nostalgia for it. Right, I feel the same, yeah. But uh, when I saw the first trailers for The Force Awakens, the first new Star Wars film... Um, I saw John Boyega, who yeah. I adored in Attack the Block, which is probably oh. my favorite science fiction film and one of my favorite films in general. Wow. And one of my favorite films about London. That's a London that I know. It's not the London of, say, Richard Curtis, Notting Hill, of <laughs> actually this sort of yeah. sanitized, upper-class, posh Hugh Grant sort of London. Right. But yeah. a real kind of South London, real people um, from most walks of life, working class, poor, that sort of thing. Wow. Um, but I knew John Boyega from that film, which is his breakout, essentially. And then I saw him in the trailer for The Force Awakens, and I thought, oh, wait, Star Wars might be for me now, a little bit. Yeah. And then, so I really enjoy the new films, and I was specifically seeing The Last Jedi in December of 2017, and seeing yeah, yeah. Kelly Marie Tran. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, Donnie Yen and Jiang Wen were both in Rogue One, but they're also uh, Chinese, Chinese, not Chinese or Asian diaspora. Uh -huh. And Kelly Marie Tran is Vietnamese-American, her family came over basically as refugees, as my family did from Burma. Um, so she didn't have any connections to the industry. She wasn't a child actor. She never went to a fancy drama program or wherever. Um, and seeing her as the first Asian-American diaspora female lead in a Star Wars film, 
just because those films have such cultural cachet mm-hmm. and support from the studio and among fans, both new and old. It meant a lot just to see her in that role. Absolutely. Yes, I'm going to cry. We're like staying on this, the very heartwarming thing. I love it. And then I, I started reading interviews with her when she started going on press tours about the role. And she talked a lot about, um, you know, not having gone to a drama program. I think she majored in communications at one of the UC schools. Um, yeah. But she basically uh, took classes, mostly improv, mm-hmm. um, and worked various jobs and to try and support herself to get headshots and going out on auditions. And after years of graft behind the scenes, she locked out. Uh, well, I'm sure, you know, it's definitely a talent, but to have the chance in this cultural moment to audition and land a, a role in a Star Wars film, that's Absolutely. that's a lot. And so you were yeah. like, now is the time. I think so, I'm yeah. I think sometimes <laughs> it, it really takes that, and that just goes back to, like, why representation matters, because it's so difficult to see that path for yourself if you don't see somebody that looks like you that can take that path and we were talking about this yesterday with the good place where Mm -hmm. um because they have a very diverse cast on that show and um i was reading an interview with jamila jamil and she was talking about the casting call for that was like we want a tall british pakistani person for this role and she was like what (laughs) like that's me uh but like you can make those casting choices and find incredible actors um but that like those choices matter Mm -hmm. to a lot of people and if i can take a brief sidebar which two good place characters are the two of you oh oh we already know oh yeah for sure do you want to guess um (laughs) eleanor of course yeah and michael oh I, i get a second one which two good place characters oh, are you? Oh, I have which to do two, two of them. I'm definitely both oh, of those that's things. hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> well done, me. That's interesting. And you, I just met Amanda, so yeah. I don't know. Um, so you're my first. I was like, I'm you're definitely Janet, Janet and oh, I love Darcy Carden with yes, all my heart. I love her. Um, if I have to pick a second one, I'm gonna go Cheaty. <laughs> Probably. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, interesting. Or I could say Eleanor, but Maybe. I'm gonna go Cheaty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I could do that. I feel like that's so rare. I actually, people tell me all the time, um, they're like, you're a lot like Kristen Bell. Like, you know, like, and I'm like, oh my God, thank you. Like, every time. Um, but no, I, I really admire her actually as, as an actress. And um, she, every time I hear interviews with her, I'm like, yeah, we're the same person. Like, I just want to be best friends with everyone on that show. Right? But this and is a real side part. No, it is. And I love, I just love Michael because he's so like, oh my God, everything is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of times, especially, that I'm like, this thing is so astounding. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very normal thing. That's actually, yeah, that fits. Yeah. That's a great That's assessment, real Andrea. <laughs> what, do you, what do you feel like yours are? Well, I've got a friend who, and she agrees with me, she is about um, two-thirds cheaty or three-quarters cheaty and one third or one quarter Tahani. Mm-hmm. I am the opposite. Oh. I'm probably I feel like that's seventy five percent Tahani and twenty five percent Chidi. How often I feel like do you name so drop? <laughs> I try to avoid it, honestly. But it's sort of that's it's sort cheaty. of you know, I think of I think of myself as, you know, mostly Slytherin, bit of Ravenclaw. Slytherin, yes. People <laughs> sort of stereotype me as Ravenclaw for various reasons, which makes sense, but also I am I do think of myself as very ambitious. In a sort of quiet way. I agree, yeah. I get Hufflepuff every time. (laughs) That's adorable. (laughs) The correct answer for me. (laughs) Someone no one talks about. But I love it. I'm so proud to represent. (laughs) 
Anyway, sorry for dragging you on that no, tangent. No, I think that that's so... I love it. I love it. It's it's all important. I love um, to follow the conversation flow, first off. Absolutely. Um, and it lets us know a little bit more about you. So that's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think that that's... I do think that that's so interesting. Um, I did lose my train of thought where we were going next, though. Um, uh, I would I'll, ask... Go ahead. I'll jump in. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, we've talked about... So you started this year, like, taking classes. And, that's like, correct. Yes, part-time. seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I know you're like starting to do background work more and more consistently. So how has that evolved for you over the past year? In terms of moving from training to actually working? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still, I guess, have a little bit of a feeling of inferiority or a feel of missing out, not having gone to a drama program or conservatory or even majored in drama at university. I mean, the first time I ever acted, as it were. Um, I did a few plays at secondary school, uh, which was the first time that I put thought to action, really, since childhood dreaming about it, mm-hmm. watching, and we'll talk about this in greater detail later, but watching Lucy Leo on the television. I mean, Lucy Leo was the it uh, Chinese Absolutely, Western actress yeah. um, in it. the late 1980s and 1990s, yeah. and especially on yeah. TV. Um, but yeah, I did a few plays in secondary school, really enjoyed it, depending on who the drama teacher was at the time. Uh, but sort of put it aside again for university to focus on my literature degree. Yeah. Um, attending as many student productions as possible, but never even volunteering to do tech, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, uh, after seeing Kelly Marie Tran, that told me my journey maps reasonably well onto hers, more so than yeah, yeah. other actors, actresses, or whatever ethnicity or background that are working mm-hmm. now. Um, so yeah, I uh, started taking classes. My first two classes were at the Shakespeare Forum. Oh, wow. Uh, That's awesome. In East Harlem uh, this spring, and then started taking parallel level ones at the Barrow Group, which is where I met Tefa, uh, oh. in our mutual uh, level one, um, and improv at the Magnet. And so yeah, I spent most of this year taking those part-time classes at night and at weekends uh, just to reassure myself in a way that this was the right thing and still feeling very humble and open to learning and you know finding out that I have a lot to learn and a long ways to go um it's actually kind of helped me let go of that feel of feeling of loss of not having the privilege and resources to go to a fancy program yeah yeah partially because apparently that means that I haven't had time or opportunity to build bad habits so I know I know that I'm working from scratch yeah and I know that I have a long ways to go which makes me eager, but hopefully not full of myself. Yeah, that's amazing. I do feel like, I totally hear that, like, as an actor, like, I'm always like, I, like, I want to do things, but I feel like there's so many people that have done so much more, and it gets really very disheartening very quickly um, when you think about it that way, but uh, when I look back at even a year ago, like, how much progress um, I know I've made, and, and even just hearing that you just started... <laughs> you know, this year is, is insane. Like you've, you've done so much, um, and made so much progress. So that's really cool. But yeah, I mean, at the time of this recording, I'm 29, almost 30. So I've spent almost (laughs) three decades, as it were, saying no to myself in terms of pursuing acting. Yeah. And it took, um, a Star Wars film, I guess, to let me say yes to myself, finally. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, check back with me in about three to five years to see if I've done anything. <laughs> I will. But uh, <laughs> there's that. I will say, too, you mentioned something before about, um, like, saying that, like, oh, uh, she got lucky, you know, she got this film or whatever. But I think that it, I listened to an insane amount of interviews. Um, and 
almost everyone that's kind of been successful, particularly in, in acting and the entertainment industry that I've listened to, basically does describe luck, right? And I think to an extent that is true, but I also think that like, I, I almost think that maybe they're discrediting the amount of like, it's so hard to say, like, I put in so much hard work for this. You know what I mean? Like, it sounds really... Oh, I mean, I agree. Yeah, I want to be very clear that, that yeah. perhaps circumstances of uh, the timing of auditions when they're held, scheduling, that that might be down a little bit yeah. to luck. But I'm very certain that Kelly Marie Tran has worked incredibly hard for what she's accomplished now, and I'm sure what yeah. she's going to accomplish so in the future. On that more. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so you're doing... Okay, so I'm going to jump back to this, because I, I think one of the... Especially for acting, I think one of the questions that always comes up is, like, theater or film, right? Like, everybody is like, oh, you have to pick one. And I don't know that you do, because there are a lot of people that kind of do both, but they are very different types of acting right oh definitely yeah um, and i feel like there's a stronger or more distinct hierarchy um in the u.s than there is in the uk between stage is, tv and film what's the hierarchy oh, interesting in the u.s mm, let's see i think there are venerable stage actors but because the country is so big and uh, stage acting is largely focused in new york and mm-hmm. broadway a bit of off-Broadway, but really Broadway is the capital letter sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there are venerable stage actors, but they may be on parallel to our best and most celebrated TV and film, but TV, perhaps not so much in the last five years with the rise of peak TV and prestige television, but TV is almost lesser to mm-hmm. film in the US. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it's I just the vagaries is... of the industry and the studio system as well. It's an inheritance. That's true, but I think that it's shifting. Yes, it I always agree. has yeah. been film. Mm-hmm. And then in the last maybe year or two years, like a lot of the stuff that's starting to be just predominantly consumed more so than movies is, yeah. you know, TV's TV never shows. been better than it is now. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many like quality shows. I love TV. <laughs> I know. I love TV. <laughs> I don't know. I feel so. like I need to whisper um, that. It's a big secret. <laughs> but yeah, I feel yeah. like in the UK, um, there's less of a hierarchy or distinction. Um, most actors move fairly fluidly between all three if they go into film and TV at all. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's that it, makes it is possible. I just don't see a lot of people doing it. Um, so, and you are taking an on-camera class right now? Yes, I just completed that. Yeah, it was yeah. a short class. It was intro Completed to class. film and TV, oh, yeah, yeah. which I think you would love. Uh, yes, I would. <laughs> I'm so I'm definitely doing that next. I'm so excited. I, I love on-camera stuff, mm-hmm. personally. But so what made you decide to do the on-camera track versus the theater? Oh, sure. I mean, I would not say no to a good stage role now right, or in future. Right. <laughs> but my first love in terms of wanting to be an actor growing up mm-hmm. and still has always been film and TV, partially because it's accessible. Yeah. I yeah. was just going to ask that. Yeah, I think we talked about this a little bit in the last time we met. But um, as much as I do genuinely love stage acting and watching stage performances, uh, one of my Shakespeare Forum instructors said something that made me realize, oh, that that's it. Um, they said that the play happens in the space between the actors and the audience, right? Mm-hmm. So you can never duplicate the exact circumstances of the delivery of the movement of right, the audience yeah. reaction night yeah. to night to night, 100%. which is amazing. And yeah. it's a huge rush as a performer, but unless you're in the right place at the right time with the right amount of money, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to see so many sort of canonical uh, stage performances. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So you hear about them in retrospect and you say, oh, I wish I were there. I wish I had the money 
uh, or the time right. to wait to snap up this ticket or whatever. Yeah. Um, so again, I wouldn't say no to doing that myself. And I'm glad that the Barrow Group, which is uh, where we're taking acting classes, Tef and I, um, the Barrow Group is based in contemporary American theatre and stage performance. Mm. Um, I'm very glad to have that training. And I do want to go on to the stage track. Cool. Um, but my first love still is, and I think will always be film and TV because of the preservation of the medium. Because that's how I consumed a lot of media growing up, just checking films out from the library on, on rare occasions going yeah, to the cinema. Absolutely. But, you know, uh, to go back again to Kelly Marie Tran, Rose Tico is going, hopefully, depending on, you know, uh, cinematic preservation, archival, whatever, mm-hmm. she's always going to be Rose Tico in that moment on that film. And you can take that out from the library, you can buy it streaming or get the DVD or whatever, she's still going to be there and you can see it. Yeah, and it's it's that kind of stuff is like multi generational too, you know, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Um, I remember like watching f- like film and TV like with my grandma like growing up that she was like, oh, you know, your your great grandma used to love this, and so we'd watch it or whatever. And I don't, I mean, yeah, times have uh, changed a lot. So some of them were, <laughs> I was like, mm. yeah, still, but, but yeah, the other uh, the, the medium it. of film and TV preserves things and connects people over generations, over distances. Well, and it kind of captures the culture of the time mm-hmm. in the moment, which yeah. I think is so interesting. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Uh, sometimes you're like, this is real uncomfortable, guys. But <laughs> as yeah. a historical artifact, it's in- invaluable. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I also, like, I always, like, I've always, like, bought seasons of TV, and, like, I still have them, even though I don't fucking touch them, because everything is on Netflix, but I'm like, one day, these ten seasons of Friends are not going to be on Netflix, and then what am I going to do? <laughs> like, I'll be the only one with the DVDs. I feel that's like right. that's been a significant conversation in film circles for a while, is... I mean, the advent of streaming has created so many opportunities in terms of Absolutely. new programming, but also mm-hmm. it depends on the streaming service and the parent company what they're going to make available. Like Filmstruck and is about to shut down. And their relationships and contracts yeah. with other. I just want to watch season yeah. thirteen of Criminal Minds. I know it's never fourteen. Out. Which season? I don't, know. I don't even I don't know even anymore. Know. I'm never gonna watch it, <laughs> and like. I'm never going to watch it again because until it's on Netflix, I can't see it. And CBS wants you to buy CBS All Access. And I'm like, no, I'm already paying for all of these other streaming services. Yeah. I'm not paying for another one. So you're going to get on Netflix or you're going to go off air. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's it. Yeah, it's rough. I can't afford it, you know? Right. Um, It's sort of troubling for film and TV history as well Mm -hmm. because we're taking this, we're recording this in early November. Um, Unless something, a miracle happens, uh, Warner is shutting down Filmstruck, this admittedly niche uh, streaming service, but it has yeah. an incredible back catalogue of old Hollywood films, the Criterion Collection and more. Oh, and, wow. you know, the people who subscribe to Filmstruck are in, already interested in those films, but it also opens the archive up to people who are more casually interested. Yeah. And Netflix and other contemporary streaming services largely don't serve or make available older films. Right, yeah. It's true. What I will say is... Um, not saying that that's not sad. It is. Uh, <laughs> but what I learned recently is if you take advantage of the public library system. And Canopy, to, yeah. Canopy is amazing. Yeah. So New York, I think, is it probably, I don't know because I really don't have another library system to compare. Um, but more and more libraries across the country are able to, um, you know, have, have movies and catalogs and online catalogs and things like that that you can stream or books you can download and um, I think that that's actually a really invaluable resource that people Definitely. just kind of forget about. Like, I, I forgot oh, about the 100%. Library, you know, until yeah. very recently. And I was like, oh, what? I can watch movies? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm down. Let's, let's do this, you know? Um, but yeah, so, that's why, that's part of why I like film and TV 
overstage long term. I mean, unless like the National Theatre and maybe some New York productions, but definitely the National Theatre in the UK, they will film uh, select performances of the major productions and make those available archivally. Yeah, I love that shit. Apart from that, it's just, you know, you were there in the moment or you've never seen it at all. Yeah, and theater is so expensive to go see. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't afford this on a regular basis. So, yeah, I think I think that that's um, great. Uh, we talked a little... I'm reading through the questions. We talked, a lot of, <laughs> we talked about a lot of this in different ways. Oh, you wrote a question that I definitely want to ask. Um, Tefa wrote, um, wanting to know whether you have a type or a type of, like, character that you tend to go out for or a type that you want to be (laughs) oh sure yeah i mean i'm not auditioning yet i'm hoping to do that if not before the end of this year 2018 certainly by the beginning of 2019 um girl get it we'll see how it goes um but so i can't say what people cast me as yet yeah but i would i hope it's not too mealy mouthed to say that i and so many actors say this, and I think, oh, oh, all right, that's sort of a pat answer. But I really do just want interesting three-dimensional roles. I mean, speaking as a female-bodied, genderqueer person who is, you know, Asian diaspora, immigrant family, and all these things, um, I don't have an established type. It's just yeah. up to, I guess, myself and my peers and other people to create roles that are open to that kind of casting. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. That are three-dimensional. That aren't just there to be this type or that type, but actually have an inner life and friends and feelings and things like that. But uh, I suppose it's easy to answer this in terms of uh, genre, actually. Okay. Um, again, kind of similar to my answer about stage versus or in addition to film and TV. While I would love to be in, you know, straight as it were, drama. Um, <laughs> one of my first loves growing up was uh, science fiction and fantasy. Mm. So I'd love to get a really meaty sort of speculative fiction role. Oh my God, I would love I would to see you in that. And I think not necessarily that. covered in makeup. <laughs> I mean, the makeup is as it is, but I'd love to just be myself with my face and body. Yeah, yeah. In the sort of like fantastical world. Yeah. Like, no, I, I would totally see that. And I think that that's something that, um, you know, it's interesting. Like for me, when it comes to even like, like Shakespearean theater or, or whatever, like I just have a hard time... Um, grounding that to a truth right like because for me it's so obscure that I can't I can't make that feel real and so I think that um you have an incredible ability to be able to do that and and I think that that type of thing kind of translates into sci-fi and fantasy and whatever because you can really just kind of be in a world that and it's heightened it's heightened in a way for sure although I would love to do Shakespeare or you know Jacobean tragedy or something like that yeah which do tend to be a little more flexible in terms of race bending casting, which is nice. Yeah. Speaking like of that. fantasy, sorry to derail. Has anyone seen the new Sabrina on Netflix? Not yet. No, not no. yet. Although Michelle okay. Gomez is in it, I've heard, and she's amazing. Is she? I really need to learn actors' names. She's a <laughs> Scottish actor. Uh, she is incredible. Very oh distinctive face. So I, I want to Google now. It. I think I know who that is. Um, I think most uh, the, the most recent the most recent thing she's <laughs> so been in that's crossed over to the U.S. Mm-hmm. is uh, she was the female master in recent series of Doctor Who. But she's had a very long career and she's just really great. I'm happy that, you know, she's getting these crossover roles. Cool. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Cool. (laughs) It is cool. I think it's great. And I I, I just want to say, I really like, um, I think the show was great. It did take me a second to get into it because I feel like I'm like, well, like a teeny bopper show, you know, like I was just like, "Mm." but then the more you kind of, (laughs) it did. Well, I think too, because I, I loved American Horror Story, like Coven. And so I started watching it, and um, 
the further I, I got into it, the more I was like, I want this to be coven and it's not right. And so I think once I realized mm-hmm. yeah. that I was like, Oh, able to appreciate for like what it is. Anyway, I'm sorry. It's real. This again, I just thought that it was something <laughs> to point out. I think it's real good. I won't spoil it. Watch it. And we'll, we'll loop back guys. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> so anywho, uh, yeah, I think that, um, I have a question. So, you kind of, I feel like you very much just kind of leapt in, right, um, at the start of the year. So do you, were you scared? Was it something that terrified you? Were you just determined, like, what was kind of your state when you started? Sure, yeah. Um, I suppose I sort of leapt in in terms of actually finally taking classes, but it is something that I've thought about for literally decades. I mean, not many decades, but <laughs> decades. But were um, you, like, and yeah. I'll even <laughs> no worries. You know, I mean, I've tried to study in theory, uh, reading books, watching performances, reading interviews, and you know, thinking critically about the reality of the industry and how it's been changing, especially in the last few years. But yeah, the, to take the step of performing in a classroom setting with the purpose of applying that to uh, professional auditions and things like that, there was a little bit nerve-wracking but through researching i managed to start taking classes in really supportive institutions uh like shakespeare forum certainly like the barrow group and the magnet theater so i actually never felt um truly frightened to do it uh it it was reassuring to be with people um, (laughs) who are at the same level yeah Um, (laughs) instead of you know going into a conservatory program relatively late you know at 29 um, with, yeah, that would actually be fucking yeah. terrifying. Then I, I, I would have felt that my peers would have outclassed me. But yeah. it was, in a way, um, it helped to be in a beginner group, part-time classes. Everyone has day jobs or side hustles or whatever. Um, but they're doing this because they really want to. Yeah. I do. I feel like that's so New York in a lovely way. Like, <laughs> There's such a sense of community. Yeah, I think there really is. And like the city is hard, but when you find like nice, supportive people who are just hardworking and want to like do something great. like Yeah, it really helps to find people in incredible. communities that yeah. foster a sense of companionship. Yeah. That we're all in this together and lifting one another up instead of competing with one another for roles or placement or whatever yeah that Uh, that gets toxic such a difference i feel like that's what i was trying to say during the beginning of my wind down is like i feel like and and maybe i don't know i feel like especially our level one class like it was such a good group like Mm -hmm. we still we got together again the other nights and um everybody just i had such a great time um i guess i can't speak for everyone but i i felt like we all had a good time and it was so awesome to just see everybody and be like well what are you working on now what are you doing and everybody's just continuing to go forth with it everybody um is kind of on slightly different trajectories um but it's really really fascinating and it's really cool and i I think it's such a good group and such a good sense of community yeah (laughs) i'm very curious to see where we'll i mean myself but where we will all be in about three to five years, what we'll have done. I know. Uh, yes. <laughs> on, on that note, like, what are your current, like, goals? What's, what's like, the next thing you want to do? What do you want to be doing in, like, three months and six months? Sure. Um, well, I recently started doing background acting, extra work, Woo. which I know for a lot of people is a long-term thing, and I respect that because it requires a lot of hustle and a lot of coordination. Absolutely. And it is work, you know. Yeah. Your sleep schedule is completely messed up. Yes. Um. But for me, I'm hoping to do it for 
the time being um, as a way to pay my utility and grocery bills yeah. and also get some good practical experience on a professional set. I mean, you don't see a lot as a background actor. You're not told a lot. Absolutely. Um, but it is helpful to see how real and tiring and unglamorous it is. It is all unglamorous. The yeah, stuff, yeah, I've done like a little bit of PA work and it's just like that just open door to like mm-hmm. what a set is like and how it functions and what the like codes on walkie mean like <laughs> all those things getting used to weird call times being on your feet for 12 hours like all those things there's so many moving parts you have to be like on it you have to look for like anything that's like in the way like think 10 steps ahead what's the next problem you have to solve um but like just being in that environment and just watching people work is like the best way mm-hmm. to learn always and it's also reassuring to see kind of the in it's sort of in between craft and business. Yeah, but yeah. But they're just the little details that, as they say in the Bearer Group, uh, tell a story, right? Yeah. So you don't have lines, you may not know where exactly you fit into the storyline, but it is useful to have practical first-person experience of, again, you know, how unglamorous it is. Yeah, it's not glamorous. <laughs> well, I find it really interesting to also see, um, like, w- working actors on a professional oh, set. Oh, definitely, yeah. Working. Like, it's, yeah. it's very interesting to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've only so. had a few gigs so far, but um, in two out of three of them, I've had the opportunity to observe either principals or guest actors and watch them work and, you know, listen to sort of uh, eavesdrop on them, uh, maybe talk about character motivation or whatever and watch how they move on set and reset and reset again, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, background work isn't always like that. Mostly it's uh, being a pedestrian, walking back and forth in the pavement, or uh, like I (laughs) did yesterday, uh, getting on and off a bus multiple times. But, (laughs) you know, it it doesn't pay much, but it does help pay some bills. Um, Uh, Yeah, it's it's, great to get paid for. And I think really just seeing how it all works is so invaluable. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, yeah, that's what I'm doing at the time being. But I'm hoping in the next calendar year, in 2019, to really... uh, go into auditions and see how that goes that would be so awesome (laughs) here's hoping yeah so um i think that might be a good place to wrap up do you have another question well i just want to ask um (laughs) so just because we didn't um finish yeah i want to talk about this so um you mentioned we did talk a little bit and we alluded to um some of your influences growing up um can you uh, is there any like I don't know. I just think it's so interesting. Can you elaborate on this? Because I'm really interested. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. Um, I mean, we've already talked reasonably extensively about Kelly Marie Tran mm-hmm. as the most recent um, yeah, yeah. idol of inspiration or whatever. But um, growing up, um, Lucy Liu was really it for me. She's just fucking great. <laughs> she is, yeah. And, you know, um, Coming up in the industry, she's had to take a lot of stereotype roles. But yeah. at the same time, she if you read any interview with her, when she's being even a little bit candid, she's always pushing really hard to create opportunities in front and behind the camera for not just Asian diaspora actors, but um, actors of any ethnicity or race, which is really helpful to kind of That's incredible, yeah. follow in those footsteps in a way. Um, but specifically, uh, this is when I was still at my old publishing job. Uh, this was back in, let's see probably 2013 or so, it was right before uh, the second series or season of Elementary Mm. aired. Um, And I 
still love to pieces the first series. I mean, I've always loved the Sherlock Holmes uh, novels and short stories yeah, growing up. Yeah. That was a huge part of my diet um, <laughs> in terms of reading. And I was wanted to be John Watson. But John Watson, as written and as largely portrayed, um, is a white man. Oh my god. Like, now I just want to remake Sherlock Holmes and make it with, like, women of color. Like, oh yeah, I mean, I in, Japan, yes. in Japan there's now Miss Sherlock, in which Ooh. both uh, oh Sherlock and Watson what? are uh, young Japanese women, but I want to watch that shit. So <laughs> to see to see Elementary in its first series um, and Lucy Liu as Joan Watson as a Chinese American woman playing Watson, she is literally in that role living out one of my childhood dreams. That's incredible. And in 2012 so cool. or 13, I got to go to this event at the Paley Center for film and TV in Midtown. Oh, I want to go there so hard. Uh, it's a really great archive, um, but they yeah. have events sometimes. And um, the principal cast of Elementary were there, the showrunner and some of the producers were there. Did you go? I did, <gasps> yeah. That's part of the point of the story. <laughs> That's what she said. Stop. No. You said you went to an event there. I didn't know you guys had to go oh, like, yeah. it was to the, the panel. Uh, it was the pre-series two Elementary panel. Um, and I actually happened to sit next to a woman who is still one of my closest New York friends, which we just got to talking and we're both interested in uh, social justice and progressivism in film and TV and all of that. So that worked out nicely. Oh, yeah. Amazing. But um, they screened the first episode of the second series and they had a Q&A at the end. Stop. And I managed, I managed to get the last question in the Q&A. And um, at this time, I was relatively a couple of years out of university, so still using the jargon, but um, I basically gave a very, very short version of my desire to go into acting, but not really feeling that there were roles available, that sort of thing, yeah. but being so grateful to see her as Joan Watson, living out my dream, or one of them. And I asked her, I still remember, I asked her, so how does it feel to be part of the decolonization of the British literary canon? <laughs> right? I promise I come by all of this honestly. <laughs> this is apparently just how I am, for better or worse. Um, but obviously she had to be very diplomatic yeah, uh, because yeah. the showrunner producers <laughs> yeah, were there. But um, she said something that I still think about, you know, five or six years later. Um, she said first that there have to be people above you who say yes to you. A hundred percent, yeah. Which, Ooh, is why it's, deep. which is why it's so important to have people like us of yeah. various marginalized backgrounds uh, have the opportunity to come up in in the industry and become the people who say yes to projects. Absolutely, yeah. And Hell then, yes. And then she said, you know, as an actor of ethnicity, you just have to carry a hammer in your back pocket at all times. Mm. Oh my god. And I still think on that almost daily. Yeah. Um, what's your hammer? Well, like, what's your version of this? <laughs> <laughs> um, partially spite. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, um, yeah that's right. Um, but also... <laughs> Drive it in a community, there. seeing people coming up um, and succeeding. But yeah, and, and actually it turns out there's still a Deadline Hollywood article they had reported there because there was going to be news about the upcoming second series. Sure. Um, and they actually anonym anonymously quoted me at the end of the article um, asking my question and her answer about the hammer. Oh, and, that's um, So I'm hoping that um, ideally once I have some credits under my belt. Yeah, sure. So something to actually talk about. But I'm hoping to... Um, meet her again. I mean, I met her very briefly in person after the event. Yeah. She signed my copy of The Hound of the Baskervilles Aww. because that's one of my favourite Watson stories because in it, among other things, Holmes calls Watson his conductor of light. Aww. Watson has always been very important. It's a massively important role. Yeah, um, I know. 
purchased on my copy oh. and told me it's never too late to start. Um, and oh. I was when I was still in publishing, I'm right? Cry. And I, <laughs> I'm like legit gonna cry before the end of this episode. And that was when I was still in publishing. I thought, you know, I wasn't going to be a publishing lifer, but it was going to be a longer term yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And it's ended up being so far. But um, it was always so reassuring to have that. So I'm hoping at some point to be able to meet her again yeah. and tell her thank you so much for telling this random person with the pretentious question this thing. <laughs> Look where I am now, and it's partially, really materially, in part because of her, and more recently, Kelly Marie Tran and other successful um, Asian diaspora actors and queer actors and, you know, people like that. Fuck yes, that's so amazing. (laughs) I feel like that's such a great story, and thank you for sharing that. I Um, know, Because I feel like I have all these people that I idolize, but I have never come into contact with them, (laughs) even in the the slightest way, so that's so cool. You have, like, a real, tangible... I mean, I'm just really grateful I I was able to be, you know, professional and polite yeah. about it and not freak out oh, internally, sure. internally I was freaking oh, out of course. Yeah. how could you not it's so lovely I'm so when awkward. the people that you love and who inspire you are like genuinely nice supportive humans mm-hmm. who just like want that connection with people and like oh, yeah. give supportive yeah and I mean in recent years uh, Lucy Leo has been very open in interviews about because, you know, Elementary is now and it's six or seven series, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I, in syndication. Know, but yeah, it's, it's very successful. Yeah. It's like a stable show. Yeah, yeah. Um, is, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's also CBS procedural, so there's sure. that too. But she's been increasingly um, very tangibly trying to create opportunities for actors of colour to get roles on the show. Because now, you know, she has um, greater producing power. She's directed some episodes now, so she has the clout to be the person who says yes to others. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Which is amazing. I'm such a big fan. I like love her a thousand <laughs> times even more now. Before I just followed her on Instagram, and now I'm like, <laughs> like, damn, yeah. But yeah, um, I mean, before we wrap up, sure. um, I know I've talked about two Asian diaspora actors who really inspired me, but I also want to mention um, a non-binary actor, Asia Kate Dillon, who okay. is currently a series regular. They were just made a series regular in the most recent complete series, number three. They're filming four now. But um, they're assigned female at birth. They use they pronouns. They're non-binary. Um, but their character on Billions is also non-binary. And Wow. Which, you know, both behind as the actor and as the character, that's amazing to have sure, someone like yeah, that. You know, incredible, yeah. When they were made a regular last year, I kind of freaked out a little bit when I started seeing subway posters with their face. Amazing just all around New York City. Incredible. Well, and I think that goes back to what we were talking about before, but giving like, giving roles to people that are whatever the, the minority is that, like, I think so often in the past, any type of role that they've been like, oh, this is the, you know, diverse character, it wasn't always whatever or whoever that it wasn't was. what they said. Right? Yeah. So, like, having, it goes back to having someone actually portray that that is this actual yeah. person you know or even still horrible. like like men and women who play trans characters instead of getting a trans actor there's who so would, like, many a, great yeah. trans actors yeah. they just don't have people saying yes to them yet exactly. thank you very much for eloquently saying what i was trying to say i got you <laughs> I was like, you know but yes so i think that that's amazing i think that's such a huge step um forward i hope that the industry is moving more towards that but um continue your yeah so i'm just hoping to maybe follow along at some point in Asia yeah, Kate Dillon's footsteps, incredible. in Lucy Liu's footsteps, yeah. Kelly Marie Tran. So we'll yeah. see how that goes. 
Amazing. Big goals. You're going to do it, girl. I love it. I love it. Um, it legit can't wait. We'll, <laughs> we'll all touch base in a little bit and see where we're at. Yeah. Um, cool. So I think with that, um, anything else to wrap up? I I'm all said. Cool. Do you have any last sentiments? Or I mean, I feel again, like thank you so much for having me on note. and asking uh, good questions and letting me talk about my passions, as it were, to paraphrase um, that Russell oh Crowe tweet. That's, the point. that's all I want to hear about. <laughs> um, goal was to not cry. I almost did not. I think you did. I did a little bit. <laughs> I was like, all right, at least one of us I did. I cry really easily. Yes, but um, I feel like when someone else does, also, I don't have to anymore. I'm like, okay, Oh, that makes me cry. If really? somebody else tears up, I'm just like, oh, my God. I'm like, oh, they've got um, it. I'm good now. Like, <laughs> Oh, God. Um, yeah. That's seriously very heartwarming. Thank you. Yeah, thank you um, so much, We're going to take Andrea. a quick break. You're going to stick around and play a game with us? Yes. Cool. Have these been shaken? Oh, no. Let me shake it. <laughs> I think there are a lot in there. Wait. Probably empty okay. it out and then shake it again. You probably need to stir. Huh? Stir, stir it with my finger? Or just yeah. empty them out and then put them back in. Yeah. Do like the shuffle cards like a child style? Or yeah. Just like... <laughs> if only we were recording right now. I am recording right oh, now. Oh, good. You actually. can hear this. <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. Okay. Maybe we should cut out the bit about the 18th century porn. Oh, I didn't record that. Thank you. I'm glad we heard you say that. That's what we were talking about. LOL. Oh my god. Okay. What we talk about on breaks, guys. I stuffed it back in. So while we're sharing this, um, I went out and got more wine. Just FYI. You did. And one bottle is not enough. As it turns out. Um, We live in New York. We're basically all groomed to drink socially on a regular basis. So, yep. uh, yeah. Uh, but so I will say to, oh, okay. So we're going to play a game now. We are. Really excited. Yeah. Um, this is a game that I call drop a line. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I don't know if that's a real name. I feel like I heard it somewhere. Let's, I like just whatever name comes yeah. to us. And drop that's a line. how this goes. Um, so basically what we're going to do is we're going to do an improv scene, uh, yes. with the three of us. We are going to, um, I'm going to set a timer. Every time it uh, deans, um, it's set on signal right now. So every time it signals, uh, it'll be approximately every 30 seconds. We will reach into our goblet that we use for games. <laughs> and um, if you haven't seen a picture of the goblet, it'll, it is on our Insta. Uh, so check it out. It is. And uh, yeah, so every time it deans, we will take a suggestion out of the little goblet. It will have a line, and then we have to work the line into the scene um and then throw it aside and continue on so yes so yeah so we just had like some random plays we went through we wrote down random lines from these plays and um yeah so then once someone reads one we have to justify it so (laughs) it's gonna be great (laughs) i haven't played this game in a hot minute guys so um we'll see how it goes yeah andrea have you ever played this once, but not with plays, with random phrases and things. So I think this will be fun. Yeah. Okay, great. Um... <laughs> no, I... <laughs> I don't know. A suggestion um... for a scene. Mountain. Mountain, okay. And go. God, is anyone just, like, really tired of this hike? I just, like, 
I feel like I'm dying right now. I did not wear the right shoes for this. It is so windy today. Oh my god. I just can't. Do we, I mean, do we seriously have to do this for like six more hours? I mean, we need to get to the next base camp, right? I guess so. I mean, I guess our other option is to like sleep in the woods. I mean, I thought this was... Uh, you're not from Indiana, are you? No, I'm from Yorkshire. I mean, we have more than um, there. There aren't really mountains, just sort of hills and tours and things, so this is all pretty new to me. There aren't mountains in Indiana either. <laughs> I mean, I'm from Michigan, so there's no mountains there. Are, are we all on the same page that we've never been hiking before? <laughs> we have. I'm from Florida, and um, I came out on this outing because we were all in the same sorority, and I just wanted to like be friends with you guys. I really ought to have worn better shoes. Sorry. I mean, Cassie, I thought we told you that, like, pumps were not appropriate for a I hike. Mean, I, I mean, they, that was in the, the letter. <laughs> the Cuban heels. I mean, I told you it would. I told you. Exactly. You told us that you would read the email, and you didn't. But, like, the school, you know, the like, the professor that, like, sponsors the sorority, like, she sent out a letter that said, like, don't, like, wear hiking shoes. I mean, I wore these hiking shoes, and they are brand new, and I've never worn them before, and, like, my feet hurt as bad as probably the shoes I wore clubbing last Her week. Her heels are, like, really bloody, actually. Ooh. That's very Cinderella of you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, like, maybe you should have brought some band-aids. How you flatter me. Sounds so romantic. Cinderella is not romantic. I mean... But, like, she was so pretty. But have you ever read the original Grimm's version? Or, I mean, Grimm, the Grimm brothers recorded that, one version of it. There are many. Is that, like, the Disney reboot that's live? I mean, like, I just got into college because, like, my dad gave them a lot of money. Oh, you too? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, haven't read anything. Huh. Ever. Uh, you saw his apartment. He wears Japanese kimonos and sleeps on rugs. Your dad does? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's super fucking wealthy, and so he can kind of do whatever he wants. So he just, like, steals Japanese culture? That's, like, fucked up. Cultural appropriation. The, the rugs are not Japanese. Where um, are the rocks from? Definitely Moroccan. Oh, oh great. <laughs> to have a blend of cultures. I mean, he's traveled to all these places. I mean, that that just doesn't seem right to me. I mean, your dad is, like, free to do what he wants, but also, I mean... But also, you sound like a teenage wine critic. I mean, I understand that wine is pretentious and also pointing out cultural appropriation to some people is pretentious, but, like, this is a serious problem. Like, your dad can't just, like, pretend he's Japanese. Why not? <clears throat> because he's fucking not Japanese. <laughs> well, no, but, like, he's been there. He's been to Japan and Morocco? Uh-huh. Um, well, like, how That's where long? he got his kimonos, and he thinks they're very comfortable. <laughs> Lousy, stinking drunk. 
okay, yes, he is all of those things. But, you know, he means well, and he still gives me a lot of money to go to school, so... Wow, this must be what it's like to be old money. I'm here on a scholarship. Oh. Oh. What? Oh. No, I think that's great. <laughs> Scholarships are great. It's, like, what? great. It's, like, great because you're, like, really smart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true, but also... But Burnbaum gets the whole sixth sense. <laughs> I'm sorry, is that rich people speak? Because I don't understand you. Could you sort of break it down for those of us who are here on merit rather right, than money? Right, right. sense is like, I don't know, a lot of money? So, like, so much money that you can, like, see ghosts. You know? <laughs> Whoa. That's, wow. <laughs> It's positively Victorian of you. I mean, it is. I, everyone knows rich people sees go- see ghosts. Yeah, because rich people live in, like, old houses, and the old houses have, like, ghosts in them. A dead deer in the middle of the road? Or I his mean, ghost. Unclear. I've, I've never seen, like, a deer ghost, but I have seen, like, a doll ghost, and that was weird. A doll ghost? Yeah. You're gonna have to elaborate. <laughs> I mean, my um, my little sister, she like tore a head off a doll, um, but then the doll like died, and it came back as a ghost. And um, I saw it at like four in the morning in my dad's house. I don't know what this is. Oh my god. A cry that will not be heard. A cry that will not be heard. Well, I should think not. It's a ghost. A, a dead doll ghost. How did you know it was dead? Because my little sister tore the head off of it, so it was dead. But then it was, like, moving on its own. Even but dolls. it's a doll, so it doesn't, like, cry. Right. Even Obviously. dolls don't survive decapitation, as it turns out. I uh, see ghosts all the time because, like, I'm super rich, so. I'm going to have nightmares when I get to base camp. Oh, man. If we ever fucking get there. Um. Look at his pants. I hate him. Fucking Gary. He's always, like, telling us what to do and then, like, again, not reading the email. Just like Cassie over here. Like, just not reading the email. Look at his pants. They're fucking slacks. You can't wear slacks, like, on a hiking Hiking. trip. This is, like, the most pretentious fucking college. Like, what did they expect to put us in the woods and just think we'd get somewhere? Hashtag rich people problems, I guess. Scholarship? Uh, scholarship kid here. Ah, uh, but, like, what? I just... I'm sorry. I don't mean to be, you know... That's a planet. You're wishing on a planet. Oh, fuck. It's not a star? No, it's a planet. Earth is a planet. Where... Did you fail Astronomy 101? I didn't read. The syllabus? No. Or any of the required texts? What do you know about astronomy? I'm a Leo. (laughs) That's astrology, thanks. So this is planet Earth. Welcome, alien. Unclear what the difference is. (laughs) 
I feel like we've died and I've gone to heaven. Really? Only I've had to climb up. I'm pretty sure this is hell. I think that's exactly exactly what hiking is. Like, look at this view. It's gorgeous. We can see these planet star things. And it's just absolutely beautiful. I mean, like, it is getting dark and, like, kind of cold. And, like, to be honest, I'm, like, a little bit scared of the dark. You know, all those I'm, ghosts. like, pretty sure I heard a coyote. Sorry, did you say it was six hours to base camp? That's what they said. That's what fucking Gary said. Why are they making us go to, like, a base camp? Like, who do they think we are? Like, can we just get to a hotel or something? I mean, we're not climbing Kilimanjaro. I don't know where that is. Wait, this isn't Kilimanjaro. Where the oh, fuck my are God. Rich people. Uh, I have... I had my license revoked. Oh. Which license? All of them? Yes. Parks. Parks license. Driving license. Driving license. License to think? I think the answer is yes. I'm not supposed to be here. (laughs) (laughs) So, where are you... How did you get into this group? I mean, I wore, like, a just like a, a baseball hat and like look down and just kind of walk through the entrance and you were yelling at me about wearing heels well i mean you know how how to park it's unclear <laughs> you can never tell anyone what you saw gary's pants well yes yes that and also like everything here because you're not supposed to be in this group oh, right did you we were all supposed to sign an NDA. Did you sign the NDA? I mean, I signed it, but I did not read it. So... I'm pretty sure that's still legally binding. Yeah, you literally... Like, you can't talk about this trip, okay? Like, there's celebrities with us. I mean, this is a rich school, so we, like, got celebrities to, like, mm-hmm. camp with us. No, you shouldn't be afraid of ironing boards. Well, I mean, like, sometimes they just close and there's no warning. Like, you put a, you can literally put, like, a 10-pound weight on it and it won't move. And then sometimes you put a finger on it and it just falls. It's a terrifying contraption. I mean, I get being afraid of an iron, but an ironing board. It's the scarier of the two, obviously. I feel like the first time you've ever done your own laundry was when you got here. Oh, no, I've never done my own laundry. Oh, my God. Remember, Mary, when you had to do it for me? Um... I remember you yelling at me about, like, making sure your, like, chiffon shirt is, like, not wrinkled. And Oh, look at you. Gin martinis are out, darling. Gin martinis are out because we're fucking camping. There's no laundry. Everything is dirty. And we're drinking out of, like, a just a water bottle. Like, that, all we have is water. You have water in your canteen? I've got vodka. Yeah, definitely me too. Everyone knows Jenna's out. What? That was last year. Jen was last vodka. year? Vodka. Vodka martinis. They're back. I thought vodka was freshman year. Yeah, but like, everything's back around, you know what I'm saying? Change of plans, guys. What? Uh, Gary just like whispered in my ear, and um, I know he's like wearing socks, but like... We're just going to go fuck over there, and then, like, you guys, you guys, like, keep hiking. It's fine. I want to go home. And scene. <laughs> <laughs> I like, what 
the wrong side on top. That was so. That was hard. That was a hard game. That was hard. But then some of them were like, just like perfect, and you're like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Amazing. Well, that was fun. Thank you for playing. That was fun. Thank you. Thank so you. Much, I think. <laughs> no, I like need to go back to improv. It's been so long. <laughs> Come to Magnet. It's great. Oh, I know. I need to get back to it. Man, got to pick up some extra work so I can pay for my classes. Um, in the meantime, anything to close us out? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, uh, Andrea, tell the people how they can find you. Hi. Yeah. So you can find me on um, Twitter at, at Andrea N, as in Nicole Lamb. And... Um, Mostly I talk about folklore and history and not necessarily acting things, but if you're a nerd like me, welcome. <laughs> also, I'm just going to preface that your name is Lamb, L-A-M, and not L-A-M-B. Oh, yes. so much junk mail growing up addressed to L-A-M-B, which is a white <laughs> oh, person no. name. Yeah. Nah, can't do thanks. Or just like weird to call anyone, like an actual lamb. I feel like it's such a random animal. Although I will say I did see a lamb on the subway. What? Oh, <laughs> I know. It was the craziest thing. So there was a couple that um, apparently rescued them from a slaughterhouse in Brooklyn and was taking them on the train. Stewart? Apparently, I don't know, (laughs) but all of a sudden, I'm just like, well, now I want to be an animal rights activist because these lambs were so cute and wearing diapers. Like, it was the cutest fucking thing I've ever seen. And, like... It was the most communal subway ride I've been on in a very long time. Aww. And that, like, everybody would walk up to them and be like, is this a lamb? And they were like, yes. And so they were, like, petting them and playing with them. And, like, obviously, I'm, like, you know, hardcore New York. So I, like, pretend, like, I'm, like, not interested, but I'm very much interested. Yeah. And so um, basically they rescued them from a slaughterhouse. And then they were taking them to Union Square to the farmer's market where they were meeting, like, a friend of a friend. So they uh, – or a friend of, like, the the guy that was with them. Um, to, like, their friend lives upstate and has a farm. And he was going to take – the lambs upstate so they could live happily ever after oh my god it was a beautiful story and i will tell you there's so many like children that went up and petted them and like they were just so sweet and there was like a homeless guy walking through the train and he was begging begging for money um and just like you know like it seemed sad and whatever and then he saw the lambs and he just smiled like the biggest smile i've ever seen it was just like i haven't seen a lamb in 20 years like and i was just like i i bawled like it was the most beautiful moment it was everything um that does seem a lot more wholesome than my lamb anecdote which is that (laughs) in general i've always been sort of resistant apparently naturally resistant to nicknames and things like that Oh, really? various friends and acquaintances have attempted but at one of my uh first internships i did accept the nickname lamb chop as in the the puppet mm. from one of my former this colleagues, mostly I because I fancied her a bit, so I allowed it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so my name is L A M one M as in Manchester, and my Twitter handle is at Andrea N as in Nicole Lamb. Guys, Woo. follow Andrea's support. Yeah. Um, you can find me uh, on Twitter and Insta at Teffa Trending T E F F A. And you can find me, Amanda Krebs, at Amanda Krebs, K-R-E-B-S. And, of course, please follow What's the Point, um, What's the Point Pod on Instagram, and What's the Point PC on Twitter. Because those Yay. damn character limits. Yep. <laughs> Until next time, guys. Thanks so much. Bye.